0: One of the most defining characteristics of humanity is how we build relationships, yet it's something most people struggle with. We are all striving to build better friendships, build stronger connections with our family, or create better relationships in our career. This podcast focuses on the steps we need to take and the concepts we need to understand to build more impactful relationships. Our podcast is produced by Be Fun, Be Kind Podcast. If you want to explore podcasting yourself, check out BeFunBeKind.com to learn how to create impactful conversation through podcasting. It's also where you can learn more about our mission and even partner with us through this journey. You can find us at befundbecon.com forward slash lead with relationship. We would also love if you would share this podcast with someone, you know, let's get started. Welcome back everyone. Today we are talking to Gabby Sundra about building great relationships and communicating effectively in relationship, especially as it relates to marriage-minded relationships. And Gabby, it's great to have you on. You obviously have a lot of experience in this area. This is obviously your training, but even more importantly, you have 25 years of experience actually working as a guidance counselor in relationships and working with couples. And you walk through this in your own marriage and in your own relationship. And so I'm excited just to welcome you on. And I really want to start the conversation off simply by asking, why do you think communication is such a broad topic (laughs) issue for relationships and marriages? Why is this something that so many people deal with, you think?
1: Communication fundamentally is about getting your needs met And we all have needs, we're humans. I like to use the model from Marshall Rosenberg. There's a model called nine violent communication and he says there's seven core human needs. And so when I work with my own marriage and with the couples I work with, we look at those seven needs and communication is about getting those needs met. Often we bite our tongue and then it comes out as a demand and then we don't get what we want. But fundamentally, whether it's I need space, I need time, I need comfort, I want to go on a vacation, I want alone time. It's all about getting our needs met. We all have needs and we all get worn down. So communication is not something that comes, healthy communication is not something that comes naturally to most. I have a master's degree and I've been doing this for years and I still practice. It's all about the habit.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of us miss is just like anything else, relationships is a skill set. Communication, my goodness, is such a skill set. I have, I feel like I've had this conversation with several people that after we came back from COVID, we had to relearn how to communicate in a sense. We had to relearn how to be social. And so I think we miss out on that point as it comes to relationships. If you don't practice it, if you don't If you don't grow in it, if you don't discipline yourself, especially with a marriage or or a marriage-minded type of relationship, you're not going to grow in communication either.
1: Complaining comes naturally. Blaming comes naturally. (laughs) Taking ownership, showing compassion takes not just practice but a habit. My husband and I and my clients, we play 90-day games, right, where we set our goals and we're playing for 90 days, not stressing. We stretch but don't stress. And right now, my husband and I are playing a game where no matter the conflict we get into, high level or low level, we'll actually use this particular tool. And we can come back to that later if it's too much now. But we have a particular tool that within five minutes of conflict, we're using this tool, each one of us. It's not because we want to. It's because we know it works. And we know if we don't do something that's by habit. Not do I feel like using this tool? Should I use this tool? But a commitment for the next 30 days, anytime there's conflict, this is what I'm going And that habit builds trust because with you and your partner and yourself, because you learn emotional intelligence and that just getting something off your chest, that's not communication. That's emotional vomit. <laughs> and that you don't want to do that on your partner. You're under stress or whatever's going on and you offload on them. Often they're like, don't take it out on me. And now you're in a devolving conversation, (laughs) but it's really more aggression traded back and forth than it is true communication.
0: I think it also could depend, how we interpret that could depend on our personal, just personality and how we respond to things. I I know some people that would be able to respond to emotional vomit, (laughs) so to speak, a, a lot better, like so much better than other people. And some people cannot handle that, like, at all. And so if you understand that about that person, you can really gauge how much someone can take. And I think it comes down, a lot of relationship, a lot of communication comes down to understanding how the other person unpacks the type of communication style that you have.
1: My husband used to say, and I think he got this from a course he took once, people can hear anything you have to say as long as you're not making them. So when you say some people can't handle it, you're probably the person communicating. Perhaps there is some make wrong in there. Some you were supposed to do this, whether it's declared or implied. And if that's why I say ownership is so important, because it's the antidote to blame. If you take ownership for something and you express compassion in a conflict, most people can handle that. The challenge is most of us go into, I want to get my needs met and, or I'm not getting my needs met and you get fatalistic about that, or we get aggressive about it, but we don't often have really good habits of demonstrating and building trust for your needs are important. I want to know about them and my needs are important, but I do think that's why I love this particular tool I'm using right now, that when you use that tool, most people respond to it. When you blame, most people are going to defend unless they've got a, ninja level of communication skills i've seen it happen before i just read a story in the press recently and someone in sports trash talked one guy and instead of trash talking him back on twitter he just said the nicest thing is though i had a poster of you up on my wall when i was a kid and he just came back with him and was like, what are you gonna do it's just so classy right so i do think yeah. that it depends on what you deliver the message people can handle more than you think if it's not going well you might want to look at your delivery
0: Absolutely, I was reading some of your content specifically, and I know that you are a very big proponent into being proactive and getting ahead of a lot of these types of issues before they before they arise and really become problems and so we're going to spend some time actually focusing on conflict and, and what that means and unpack that a little bit. but I think that you get into conflict because of poor communication. If you're ahead of this and you're communicating effectively, you can probably avoid. A ton of conflict in the first place. And so let me just ask, what are some common communication issues that you see a lot of couples go through that, that just breaks them down?
1: Well, the first one that comes to mind is different schedules and different times of day. And what I refer to as office hour. So I'm a night owl and my husband's a morning person. <laughs> our bedrooms in our last house, his office and the bathroom were attached So he gets up a few hours before me. I'd wake up and I'd go into the bathroom and he's already been working for a few hours. He's got 10 things he wants to ask me. And I'm like, tell it to the hand. I I can't talk to you right now. On the other flip side, I'm working during the day, but my mind really turns on at 9 o'clock and I'm checking things out. So 10 p.m. comes around and I'm like, hey, honey, can my mom come stay for a month? And he's like, whoa, I'm just trying to chill out and end the day here so that's one example is timing of communication and you know we're dealing with some irs hurdles right now do you just want someone to spontaneously bring up the irs no so we actually have a specific time fridays from 10 to noon we have a meeting and we talk about money we talk about our calendar and we talk about our relationship goals and we find that with that intentional time to talk about all those things, it just removes all the tension and the stress of catching someone off guard when they didn't want to talk about something. And now we have a structured time. So timing is my first tip. The first conflict is notice what's good timing for you and what's good timing for your beloved.
0: Yeah, that is really good advice. There's- A sitcom, and I'm trying to think of the name of it, it reminded me when you just said they were always having this sort of state of the relationship. I always thought it was comical that they were having that. But that is actually a really good idea. You just illustrated the importance of just having some time set aside weekly, monthly, where you just sit down and say, hey, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening in our life. We're going to take this time right here to talk about this specific topic and work through it. It may not be something you like or it may not be something I like, but we are going to spend some time and be intentional about working through this.
1: My husband and I and the client work I do is very intentional. And I once had someone say, you're so intentional. Like it was this bad thing. And I said, I don't know about you, but my willy nilly is a little stressed out. My willy nilly will blame you when I'm cranky when it's not really your fault. So, my intention, I like to say, if you give invest a little intention, attention, and action spread out over time, it takes your relationship work out of the work realm and in just to a practice and something that gets easier and easier. To do, when my husband and I first got together, we swearing was on the table. Three years in, not a lot, but it, it would get there occasionally, you know, a couple times a year. And a few years in, we said, let's just take that off the table. There's just no more swearing at each other, no name calling. It's just too much of a threat to our trust and our relationship bubble. And we just took that off the table. And now every couple needs to find the couple culture for their relationship, but there are so a few givens. And I think taking name-calling off the table was a really good thing we did. That was 13 years ago. Being intentional, I think, is is critical. It's not that we're perfect, it's not that we're purist, it's not that we work on it constantly, but we work on it regularly. We have daily practices, weekly practices, monthly practices, quarterly practices, and annual practices. And every year that we do that, They get better and more fun. And when I say practices, some of our practices are like, let's go on vacation. We realized we went 10 years uh, since our honeymoon. We hadn't been on a vacation. It wasn't a business trip or a birthday or a wedding. So it's not all work. It's the intention can actually be total inspiration and fun. In fact, I call them the three Ps, the trifecta of an awesome relationship, playful, peaceful, and passionate. Because if you have a playmate and you have a sanctuary and you have a lover,
0: like, That's all you need. Absolutely, and I think that's something we miss. I think intention is something that we miss, and and I had a conversation recently with someone talking about – the, the schedule that they have with their family, that they come together and and they do like certain schedules for different things, basically exactly what you just outlined for the couple they they were doing with their family, where they they have a game night and a, a night where they like sing together, and and so that same sort of concept. And I think that most people can miss that they miss the intentionality of it, and I think also we forget how much simple words can hurt, even really close relationships, like you just said. You guys took some things off the table and you probably didn't realize maybe how that was impacting each other or what was happening there. But over time, some things build up. And I think one thing that is thrown around a lot in or some maybe in marriages is just saying, oh, if you do this or if you don't do that, we'll just get a divorce. It's thrown around as a, a playful thing.
1: Yeah. Threatening the relationship is something that's completely off the table, even with the clients I work with that are about to get divorced when they come to see me. Because often people don't take action, even though all of my work says we're proactive and create a vision and set goals and let's let's do that. Most people come to me when they actually are in some conflict, but they do agree to not only not pursue breaking up during the ninety day commitment we make to work together, to not consider it. That if it comes up, they have a, a mantra or something else that they say to themselves, or a person that they call, or they get some coaching from me. But we get them out of that mentality so that they can fully invest. And then in those 90 days are done, then you have 30 days to say, oh, is this enough progress? And then we do another 90 days. That doubt of the relationship, the threat of the relationship is corrosive because it voids the container and the container is what gives you the strength to do the work to become not just the marriage you want, but the person you want. Now, I believe in accepting your partner exactly the way they are. And we are growing with each other, ideally. And so I accept my beloved, but I also call him into his greatest self and he accepts me and calls me into my greatest self. So it's a bit of a paradox, but threatening the relationship is if you're doing that, I strongly recommend you take that off the table and don't even do it with your friends. Be careful who you're venting with. We have a process called venting for victory, but a whole list of tips on who to vent with and who not to vent with, because there's healthy venting and then there's a very unhealthy venting that's gonna come back to bite you.
0: I think that- one approach that a lot of people take in just relationship building is before they get into, especially before they get into the relationship or the marriages, they might be thinking, how is this fitting in my life? Versus having the mindset of how can I grow with this person? I think that is a shift for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are not naturally in that mindset
1: my husband and i we take criticism even helpful feedback off the table unless we ask consent is awesome so i have something i just noticed are you up for hearing it my husband's so much better at doing that than but otherwise we don't give each other any feedback unless it's in our goal setting meetings so when we're talking about goal setting but we'd still ask is this a good time for feedback so it's not when something's happening and they're irritating you and then you say it out of irritation That's just going to erode your relationship. Now, I I don't believe in walking on eggshells or biting your tongue either. You want to communicate, but you want to communicate, as I mentioned before, with the ownership, compassion, and that third element of that tip is actually creativity. So in this circumstance, in any circumstance, what can I take ownership for? Where can I express compassion for your experience? And then what ideas can I throw out there so that we could move forward creatively
0: I think that's context is really what that boils down to, right? You are approaching it within a certain context and where that context is mutually agreed upon versus just throwing the context around and defining the context yourself. I think that is the biggest difference between being impactful with with constructive criticism and being hurtful. With constructive criticism, especially when someone is in an angry in a vulnerable moment is you just said you are waiting for a time that is really appropriate in the right context.
1: Yeah well little kids know this little kids know when's the right time and the wrong time to ask mom for something. I shouldn't say very young kids. They just ask any old time. By the time you're 12, 13, 14, when mom gets home from work is probably not the best time if you can, whatever it is that you wanted to do that you think she might say no to. So it's, again, it's about that timing, as I mentioned before, reading your beloved, understanding them and, not, and being more committed to communication that lands and gets results as opposed to communication that's just like an ego release or scratching your itch. You were asking about common conflicts with couples. And another one is introvert extroverts. And my husband and I very much have that one where I'm extremely social. And for him, it was like pandemic, no house guests, like we're not going anywhere. This is awesome. (laughs) We just got back two days ago from a trip that I wanted to drive a car cross country and take a month and see all of our friends And instead, he wanted to make it a 10-day trip, so we compromised. But we did three cities in 10 days, which is way too much for him. Awesome for me. And it shows up in a lot of different ways. So those of you out there who are listening and are dealing with the introvert, extrovert, it's not you. Most relationships have some form of a dynamic, even if they're both extroverts or both introverts that time of how much is me time? How much is us time? How much is family time? And I've really had to learn to not just make space for my husband to have time alone and no guests and not traveling, but to embrace it and welcome it and honor it as equally valid as my desire to go out and meet people. And it's in that mutual respect that we find beautiful synergy. So we call it Bibtoe, both is better than one. So that if we take what he wants and what I want, not a compromise, but the best of both bits, then we have something that's better than what either one of us could have come up with on our own.
0: That is a really good way to approach that. You're talking about kids are able to communicate really well. How much of our life and how much of our communication preferences and skill sets are impacted from experiences? Kids don't have that. They're just... All in. They don't necessarily have a filter. They don't have experiences to weigh them down. Uh, I love that. And
1: those filters that people have based on their past experience are of critical importance. You yourself want to know what those are because it's not the words. We have to do all this encoding of we we heard what they said. I think I heard what they said. And what did they mean? And communication is so complex. Just assume you got it wrong, which is why it's such a helpful tool in communication to reflect back what you heard and say, did I get that right? So so important to do that. My husband's really good at that. I'm I'm not as much, but getting that feedback from, yes, that is what I said is going to save you a ton of stress and a ton of time rather than assuming what you think you heard from them and jumping in. That's the traditional way.
0: Yeah, no, that is a traditional way that we do it. And we think oftentimes that because it made sense in our mind, the way we said it, that it totally made sense in the mind of the person we just said it to. And I think some people, some personality types are more often communicating around a topic. They're communicating sort of an emotion or they're communicating a certain idea I think that we need to do a better job, number one, of understanding how the person is is coming at something, but also maybe just being a bit more possibly direct in communication. If you are speaking in direct terms, then you avoid having the concept of trying to encode things, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, the encoding. The piece that came back, what I was going to say before, is how one word can mean two different things. To people, for example, just a couple days ago, a conversation came up, and I, my husband, and I were talking to another person, and sharing about again the introvert extrovert issue. And I said something to the effect, "Right now, we have a big suite where my husband and I are living in a separate house, um, where the family is living, and so he needs a lot of alone time." So I have to stay over with the family house if he's going to get any alone time. And I do that about an hour every night just to make sure he can be in his own space at home and not have me in it. In fact, when he told me we wrote up our dream relationship, he said, in my dream relationship, once three days every month, you'd leave the house. And I said, you want three days a month without me? He said, no, I want three days a month with me, (laughs) with him, with his self. And so that introvert, extrovert dynamic, we were sharing about how Raj has that need and I give that to him for an hour a day. The person we were talking to had a really strong negative reaction to the word need and the word give. As in need made him seem needy, right? She was collapsing the word need and needy. And that by me honoring his needs was me saying, oh, I'm giving that to him. I'm looking down on him. So while we thought we were validating each other, her experience was that we were diminishing each other or that I was diminishing him. So we had to clarify that need and needy are two different things. So even that sentence. So you never know how someone hears something. Okay, so I want to say that piece now to the being direct part. I'm a big fan of being direct. But being compassionate, some people say, I'm just a straight shooter, or it's just business, which is really all a euphemism for I'm about to be a jerk, or I was just a jerk. And how we speak to people matters. What's that great quote? They don't remember what you said, they remember how you made them feel. So can you communicate something to someone and be authentic and be true to yourself without making them wrong? And again, that goes back to the ownership, but I'm a huge fan of being direct. Someone once said to me, Gabby, you don't wear your heart on your sleeve. You wear your heart on your mouth. (laughs) If you bite your tongue and you don't say things and you step over it and you step over it, it's not good for you physically. It's not good for your relationship. Intimacy is into me you see. So if you're not sharing or if you're trying to point to one issue when it's really another issue you're talking about... You're probably going to end up frustrated and not getting what you want because it's hard enough to get what you want when you're being direct, let alone if you're using euphemisms or even a small example, like a low conflict example. You're out at a meal and you're, my. I had a boyfriend before, he used to always do this and he'd say, oh, that looks really good and he wanted a bite. So why wouldn't you just say, oh, that looks great. Can I have a bite? And I would always say, okay, I got to break the code. Would you like a bite? And I wanted to share a bite, but it left me frustrated that he wouldn't just ask to take a bite. And of course that applies in many more things, whether there's some, a trip you want to go on or money that you're not, you know, concerned about being spent or some change you want to make at the house. Who knows? There's endless elements for couples to get into conflict about the, the topic almost never matters, which is why I teach the tools. Use the tools and the you'll resolve the circumstances.
0: Yeah. You're talking about just how one word can mean completely two different things to different people. It's a wonder we are able to communicate as humans at all. That was a really interesting point. But yeah, it, it, is, it is complex. Communication is certainly a complex topic to get into. But I'm glad <clears throat> we are talking about it.
1: Communication isn't something that you learn and say, oh, okay, got it. Communication is something like a muscle that you need to exercise and build and get better at and be reminded of. I like to say, I always say, pick your prompts. And so when I have a communication tool I like or something, I'll either put it on a post-it or even do it on a a program on the computer and print it out and put it somewhere or on my screensaver so that I'm getting fed these messages because I like to have fun. I don't like to work hard. I actually just like to have fun. So I want to sprinkle these things around that they infiltrate my brain, almost like I'm intentionally programming myself. So when I need that tool the most, it's right there. It's either on the refrigerator or on my phone or it's now in my heart because I've been practicing it so much.
0: Yeah, I love that. What's the saying? What comes in comes out or I don't know what that analogy is, but I feel like that is a, a good illustration of that. Where can people find more about your information and and follow you in your program?
1: You can check out forbetter.love. It's not forbetterlove.com, but forbetter.love, but we have a special gift for you. So do forward slash be fun, be kind.
0: Gabby, I've really enjoyed this conversation and just unpacking communication because that's the first step. You have to communicate to be in a relationship at all. So thank you so much for coming on, Gabby. This has been great. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much thanks for joining us i hope you learned something from this episode you can actually apply to your life if you did please consider sharing this with someone our goal is simply to help people be more impactful in how they build relationships in the different areas of their life the only way we can get that message to more people is with your help also if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast or you know someone who you think should have their own podcast check out Be, Fun, Be kind podcast. There's some great content on the website that walks you through starting and growing a podcast as well as a great community of podcasters. That website is just BeFunBeKind.com. That's also where our podcast is hosted and produced so you can learn more about our mission at BeFunBeKind.com forward slash lead with relationship. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our latest content and I'll see you on the next episode.